welcome to the podcast. Every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Welcome to the leadership podcast that I host, Charlie McMahon. We are glad that you're listening in. We've been in a series of talks where I am unpacking my own reception of the book Driven by Doug Brackman and Randy Kelly, in which he unpacks some things that for many of us we've known to be true, but the validation of those awarenesses has been very helpful. We, um, the book is about the fact that there are some of us who have this mutation. It really is a genetic mutation. It's a leftover from a hunting era that makes us hunters, and hence the title of the book, Driven. We're taking that and we're overlaying it with the Sermon on the Mount. I love to take two things that seemingly are disconnected and bring them together and see what creative result happens. And that's certainly true with this because the, the, the combination of tenderness and toughness that is within the Sermon on the Mount is a parallel to many of the indigenous characteristics that are in driven people. Now, let me do a quick review in case this is your first time listening to the podcast. You will want to go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts as we've been walking through this. But a number of years ago, a... Um, a psychotherapist, entrepreneur, talk radio show host, Tom Hartman, posed a new model for understanding ADD and ADHD, and he believed the traits associated with ADHD and ADD wiring were the results of an evolutionary adapt adaptation intended to protect human beings. People with these traits possess what he termed a hunter's brain, a brain equipped with abilities to help them survive in a pre-agrarian hunter society. Before the agricultural revolution, the hunter skills and abilities were highly valued and necessary for survival. The agricultural revolution marked the shift toward a much safer farmer's world and centuries, centuries of environmental influence resulted in the evolving of a farmer's brain suited to a very different set of survival requirements. The hunter's brain, the hunter's traits and abilities, which were once an advantage, were increasingly mismatched with society's new needs. So, so he estimates that there are about 10% of the population still have this D2, D4 allele, which creates in us a drivenness. And uh, if you have read the book, or you have gone to the podcast that I recommended, bengreenfieldfitness.com, and listen to the podcast where he has a dialogue with Doug Hartman, then you know that some of you have gone, oh my gosh, that is me. That explains a lot. I have a good friend, and she is a business leader, and I said, she, you got to read this book, and she's been reading it, and it has been liberating to her as now all the things that that about her that caused so much inner shame are explained. It's an amazing deal when you have your sense of who you are validated, even if it is crazy, you don't feel as crazy. 
And that's certainly true with Driven. But we are people who are listening to this podcast and invested in this podcast because we want to lead. We want to lead well. Most likely, you are a follower of Christ if you listen to this, although you don't have to be. You are. And you want to lead well. You want to lead in a way that not only the product that is on the table is God-honoring, but the process is God-honoring. Because if you're a follower of Christ and you're a leader, it is just as important how you do what you do and not just what you produce. And so as a result of this, I've been doing a deep dive into the fact that I'm a hunter living in a world and working in a world, the church, that is a farmer culture. Church is not a place where people want it to be um, hunting for new things all the time. Many people want to be a part of a church because they want it to be predictable and they want it to be safe and easy. They want it to be a refuge, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. And yet I've been a hunter living in a farming world, and for many years I've really struggled with it. So I want to grow in this. I want to grow in what Christ has to offer, and that's why I said, you know what, I'm going to take our learning leaders here, to borrow my friend Ryan Hawk's phrase, I want to I take those of us who listen to the Leadership Podcast and say, okay, here's how I'm growing through this. So we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount, particularly the Beatitudes and the blessed ours, the eight blesseds of the Beatitudes, and then how do they filter the driven personality type? How do they filter that? And so last time we listened to blessed are you who are hungering for things to be set right, hunger and thirst for rightness, you will be satisfied. And you can listen to the previous podcast if you want to tune into what I talked about there. Today is Matthew 5, 7, and 8. First, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, this one really gets my attention as a driven because as a driven, I don't necessarily see mercy as being one of my shining characteristics outside of Christ. That's not something that's going to come to me naturally. And by the way, as with all the Beatitudes, he's not saying you should be this way, but if you find yourself this way, you're a candidate for the infusion of my rightness, my righteousness, my reality, Jesus is saying. And he's saying to those who are naturally merciful, those of you who give away things and you look like you're a loser, you don't always take care of business because you're being generous to others, because... Uh, I want you to know that although in life right now you feel like you're losing, heaven's resources are going to come your way. You're going to be taken care of. You're going to be the recipient of mercy, just like you've been showing mercy to other people. And so it's a really cool thing that there are people who probably work with you and work for you who are merciful. And it's a real promise to them that sometimes in life when we look like we're losing, we're not. Well, this is really important for those of us who are driven because as hunters, we want to win all the time. We never want to look like we're losing. And to be a leader who is leading out of the rightness, things set right internally and externally by Christ, he's going to make changes in us that appear as if we lose temporarily. And this is where, as driven leaders, we need to trust Christ's process in our life. 
I've said many times, I'm not as good a competitor as I used to be because back in my less mature days, I was ruthless and driven and my hunter DNA really helped me competitively. I may have been you know, less statuesque than you would like to have been as an athlete, but I really had a good hunter competitive gene. And today, at, at my level of maturity, I'm not as competitive as I used to be. Hence, I enjoy competition more. I don't mind losing as much. I'm not saying I'm completely okay with it. I have a tennis coach who has an adage, tennis isn't fun, winning is fun, and I would still agree with that to some extent. But it's a really cool deal, and I'll tell you this as a driven, when you'll be okay looking like you're losing sometimes because you realize there's a bigger picture, and that's mercy. Mercy is always the holding back of energy that I could have given to others losing and I hold that back so that others can win and not necessarily me. And I'll tell you as a leader, you're probably, especially if you're driven, there are going to be times where it needs to look like you're losing. You don't get the credit. Um, maybe you don't win an argument. And you're learning to be more merciful and it balances out the driven hunter who always has to win. Now, why is this important? It's because of this. The book, Driven, confronted me with a reality I did not have a grasp on, and that is how much we hunters are driven by fear. And for most of my adult life, I've sort of sneered at those who are fear-based. This book confronted me with the reality that many of us as Drivens, we do see the world through a lens of fear, Hence, that's why we're always on alert. That's why we can read a room. That's why we can uh, really read what people are thinking. It's because our hunter instincts are on high alert for any threat. And it's a good day when, as a leader, you're so rooted in the security you have in Christ that you can be merciful. You can even look like you're losing you don't always have to win the argument. You always don't have to be the smartest. You don't always have to be the brightest. You don't always have to be the sharpest. You can be merciful. You can let others win because you withhold your power. And that'll be a test for you as a driven leader. Here's one more. This one's totally for us. This is the beatitude that is for the driven. Because the next verse, Jesus says, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you say, what do you mean that's the driven verse? Yeah, it is. Because many people have heard that and, and they read into that. Well, blessed are you who are just pure, 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 driven snow motives. They have no, you have no ill-gotten motives. You have, you have no duplicity to your life. I am in agreement with the scholar and theologian Dallas Willard in the understanding that this is not actually a positive trait. Just like none of the others are necessarily traits that you want to be. You don't want to be mourning all the time. But he's saying if you are mourning, there's going to be comfort. And look what he says here. If you understand it the way I understand it and the way Dallas Willard taught it, blessed are those who's pure in heart. Blessed are those who's 
focus is so pure, nothing ever seems good enough. You are the perfectionist, which, by the way, is one of the defining traits of the driven. You are the ones who are a pain to everyone else, most of all yourselves. You're so pure in your intent of heart and desire and focus. You see the flaws in everything and everyone around you, and you're really miserable. You're really a miserable person. Your food is never cooked right. Your hair and clothes are always unsatisfactory. And Jesus says, you'll see God. Someday you're going to come to the end of your rope of your need for perfection because the kingdom of God is ready to come into your life. The rightness of Christ is ready to come in and he'll satisfy your pure heart with the reality of perfection that you've been looking for. You'll see God. And when you do, you'll find what you've been looking for. It is the someone who is truly good enough. And I love this one because this is, we could do the whole series on Driven and the Sermon on the Mount on just this one. Because as Driven's, you see, the chapter in Driven on shame is worth reading. Because we Driven's have always been those who a lot of others have tried to fix us because we are disruptors. Our perfectionism drives everyone else crazy. And there's certainly a destructive side to that. But because we are motivated so much to just get things right, to just lead, 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 lead until everything's just, just right, we miss life. We miss God. And we drive everyone else crazy. And this one is so helpful because the chapter on shame, which is really, shame is simply the idea that there's something wrong with me that's not wrong with everyone else. Shame is the idea that if you have bought into the mistruth that there's something wrong with you, something so deeply flawed that's not wrong with everyone else, then you're always trying to make up for that. You will over-function to prove that you're not worthy of the shame narrative that's going on in your head. You will over-function to prove that there is something in you that you can overcome if you just are, are, are handsome enough, pretty enough, thin enough, fit enough, smart enough, successful enough. And I think this beatitude is, is here for those of us who are driven, for those who think that someday we'll be enough. And uh, I mentioned recently that my mom died 10 years ago this spring. And one of the interesting things about our relationship is there was deep love between us. But because of some things that had happened in her life, she was deeply shamed. And especially she and my dad, they passed on to me this never good enough idea. My mom literally said one time, my dad was 6'3", you better get to be at least six feet tall. And I ended up 5'11", so I literally ended up just a little bit not good enough, not enough. And so I bought into that narrative that someday I'll accomplish enough that I'm enough. And that just added fuel to my driven engine. It amped up the horsepower of my driven V8. And so for those of us who are drivens, one of the most important things we can do as we're listening to this is we can rest that he has made us enough. 
that his grace is sufficient for us, that even when we fail as leaders, and that has a big implication attached to it. Failure as a leader means I'm, I am impacting the lives of others, maybe in not so positive a way. But when I do, his grace is sufficient. One of the reasons that I wanted to filter driven through the Sermon on the Mount was simply this beatitude. Because those of us who are driven to the point that we have a pure pursuit of what we want to achieve in life, so much so that we will make everyone miserable around us in order to achieve it, grace is enough. One of the greatest leaders in history, Saul of Tarsus, became Paul the Apostle. And he was driven to stamp out this new movement that claimed that a carpenter had been resurrected from the dead. I mean, he was driven. I, I'm, I'm fully a believer that Paul was a driven hunter, and he was zealous in his pursuit of stamping out this new movement of this Christ, this false Christ. And he got knocked off his driven horse one day. He became from a persecutor of Christ to a preacher of Christ. And one day he said he was given a vision, and God told him, Paul, I'm not going to heal all the things in your life. This thorn that you have in your flesh, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to heal it. God sometimes chooses to let us limp with our scars. But he did say, I'm going to show you that my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. And so Paul would go on to write, he says, "So I delight in failures, I delight in insults, I delight in rejections. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong." And this is a lesson for we drivens. We drivens have been so long operating out of fear and shame. We want to appear strong all the time. We want to appear equipped. That it's a good day when we can say, I rest in my weakness. I rest in my failures even. Because when I'm weak and when I've failed, I realize your grace is enough. I don't have to achieve it all. It's not just up to me to protect a tribe and to build the tribe. Ultimately, the results are in God's hands. So I hope today helps you as it helps me. That as a driven, I can be merciful. I can lose sometimes and look like a loser, and that's okay. And as a driven, as one who has been very pure with my passions, my dad said I was the most intent, thorough, stubborn child he had ever seen. And that's okay. I'm okay with that's how I was made. But within that, what really matters is grace. God's grace, his unmerited favor given to me to work through me to others is really what makes me a better leader. Until next time on the Leadership Podcast, I'm Charlie McMahon. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week.